Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. In the middle of a move, making (laughs) recording uh, a little awkward this week, but uh, we found a time. Yeah, we're back in the uh, luxurious, if somewhat disheveled, basement studios. For the last time. Yeah. If all goes well. If all goes well, we will be, uh, next time, next episode will be from our new luscious new house, probably basement studio. (laughs) Yeah, but new house nonetheless, and uh, a new house that includes an actual accusing parlor. Very proud of that. <laughs> it's actually just a room with a lot of wood paneling, but whatever. And a fireplace. And a fireplace. Just needs like a That's grandfather true. clock, some leather chairs, a, f- a chelange mm-hmm. for someone to faint into when accused. And some manner of taxidermy, right? You need something. Yeah, like, like a accusing s- parlor. Like a like a something antlered or like yeah, snarling. Like like a big stag head. Or or like a mounted, bear. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, not that I'm pro cruelty to animals. No, not at all. But uh, it could be fake. It doesn't have to be real. It's true. But uh, an accusing parlor, nonetheless, which the new read-along shelf will be in. <laughs> it's very nice. It's yes. very nice. Quite so. So looking forward to that. Uh, by the time this episode drops, uh, assuming all has gone well, we'll be in that new house. Assuming. So, yeah. Fingers crossed, everybody. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, let's kind of get into it because we're, we're doing a late record after the kids are in bed, which is not ideal, but is kind of how things lined up. Look, it's a weird week. We're doing our best here. Yeah. So uh, we'll do a brief recap of our previous chapter, which would have been chapter 20 of our novel, in which Rosie has an opportunity to finally update the queen on some of the stuff that was going on over her birthday party, while simultaneously also discovering a new mysterious death Mm -hmm. that seems to be in the Brodsky circle, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, Loosely connected. So it seems. Yeah, and so another suspicious character enters our story in the form of Anita Moody, and we'll learn a little bit more about her as we transition into chapter 21 of The Winds Are Not by S.J. Bennett. So we actually start this week with McLaughlin. Billy Billy McLaughlin. Yeah, There's like, a lot of chuch in his it's, name. It's like McConaughey. McConaughey McLaughlin. <laughs> yeah, McLaughlin is finally kind of in the spotlight. We haven't actually seen him all novel doing his work. but Not, not in person, no. But we do get a, a chance to see him at work today. And mm-hmm. he's a pretty savvy guy because he knows if he's looking into some suspicious stuff, he shouldn't be doing it from his home IP address. Agreed. So he's actually taken a 10-minute train ride into town. Mm-hmm. 
and is at like a little internet cafe. <laughs> like a terrible little internet cafe. Yeah, even the water apparently is foul. Right. The tea is bad. The water is bad. There's like, I think he said there's a bank of eight computers, only six of which work. Yep. <laughs> it's a terrible little internet cafe that absolutely no one will be paying attention to. Quite so. Yes. And so it's the perfect place to do a little digging into Anita Moody. And he apparently has hit Pater. Pretty early on, because it turns out Anita's one of those online people. Yeah. Unlike uh, Dr. Rachel Stiles, who kept a super low profile, Anita Moody is all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. She apparently, she traveled a ton. She was constantly posting selfies and like yeah. travel influencer stuff. I love the term he used was addicted to selfies. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I, I understand what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. So like he's going through her pictures one at a time, making notes And he's turned up something already, which is that apparently there's a pattern, as he puts it, an interesting pattern to where her singing gigs had been going on ever since she left the School of Oriental and African Studies, which is where she got, and I quote, her first degree. First degree. Indeed. Implying more than one. Which, I mean, if one has a PhD and a doctorate. One probably has multiple degrees. That makes sense. And the School of Oriental and African Studies. Hmm. The How two coincidental. The two places involved in the Belt and Road. Right? Yeah. yeah. So this, if anything, this is lending some credence to your theory that Anita Moody may in fact have been Dr. Rachel Stiles. Yes. So far, so good. Yeah. And we might even get a little bit more of a clue about that as we move into the second part of this particular chapter where we catch up with dci strong yeah we're gonna spend the rest of our chapter with him i like it yeah so just to bring us back up to speed strong is the guy who's in charge of the investigation at the castle itself yes detective chief inspector strong yeah uh he reports to the commissioner singh who we had previously had a little chapter with right and of course they're all dealing with humphreys and his very myopic and narrow view of of this particular case one that's strong doesn't really buy. Not not deep down. No, right? not even, not at this point, not even on the surface. Well, yeah. But he started out agreeing with it because... There wasn't much else to go on. Right? And but... Humphreys, and, and I quote here, is very persuasive. Yes. He makes a persuasive argument. But you can sort of tell that, like, deep down in his heart of hearts, Strong doesn't buy it. No, and one of the chief reasons he doesn't buy it is because... Russia hasn't been crowing about this. No, and you think they would be. Yeah, even when other, like, assassinations have happened on British soil, like, the intelligence community is kind of lit up with rumor mongering and speculation, and on the Russian side, a little bit of, like, braggadocio, if if you will, <laughs> strutting around like they've just pulled one off. There's been dead silence about this, which to him seems weird, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't be making a big deal out of Almost this. Almost like they aren't really involved. Yeah, and... Mm. As he's been investigating, just more and more holes have come into this theory, and more and more suspicious activity has come to his attention. Specifically, down through the commissioner's office came this story that every now and then an ambassador or someone will come to the castle and maybe, like, do a little dalliance with some of the staff. Mm. Because the staff are some of the only people who are allowed to kind of, like, move around the castle after hours. And that's the perfect way to, like, cover up some covert shenanigans. It is. Yeah. And this, again, this came down through the commissioner's office, though there were some rumors. Maybe the queen herself had said something. But, I mean, that's just a rumor, right? Of course. That wouldn't wouldn't be a real thing. But it did make him go back and reinvestigate some of that evening. And sure enough, he turned up stuff that we already knew. Number one. 
that Vadim had been seen moving past security twice, but the first time he was wearing a different suit and he was conveniently talking to Masha the whole time and therefore his face was turned. Yes. And they just assumed it was Vadim. Right. Because who else could it have been? Well, and that just makes sense. But maybe it wasn't because the second time they saw him, he was wearing a different suit. He made like eye contact with them and was like, hi, it's me. I'm Vadim. <laughs> yes. Basically. All, all but said that. Yeah. And so they put two and two together and realized, okay, well that means that that was probably Brodsky went up. And at first they were like, maybe he was doing a little dalliance with Masha, but that was quickly disabused. And when they spoke to Masha, she immediately threw Meredith Gastelow under the bus. Oh, yeah. And then they followed up with Meredith, who's currently overseas. Mm -hmm. She's gone back to St. Petersburg to do more of her architecture there. And she was, she basically confirmed it. Yes. Under duress was, she was like, please don't tell anybody. Yes. Yes, I Absolutely. Mm. So the detective chief inspector is now up to speed with the queen. He knows that Brodsky mm -hmm. snuck past security so that he could have a rendezvous with Meredith Gastelow. And that means there are a couple hours where he's kind of unaccounted for. Yes. But we already knew that, right? Yes. I love how Strong is putting this together because of that well-planted seed that the queen put down. Yeah. I love that. Because as we were teased earlier on in the book, she's I subtle. I know. And it was very good. I, I love that he has become an ally to her, even though he doesn't know it. Indeed. It's great. Now, he also knows that Brodsky had bumped into Dr. Rachel Stiles in the hallway. Obviously, they had identified the hair. They questioned Dr. Stiles. And for a while, they were under the impression that Stiles might have been the last person to see him alive before he was murdered. Yeah. Which is why she was immediately questioned. Of course. And the story that we get is that they had literally bumped into each other in the hallway. Yeah. And her contact lens had fallen out. And the two of them were looking for... He was very helpfully helping her find her contact lens. Something that the maid who passed them in the hallway corroborated. Yes. That is the flimsiest excuse I've ever heard in my right? life. Right? Oh, my contact lens fell off. <laughs> I even wrote in my note, I'm like, the lost contact story seems just a little sus, don't you think? Absolutely. So there probably was something else going on there. Probably. And this, again, lends credence to them maybe knowing one another. Right. Brodsky running into his old friend Anita, undercover, in disguise, the two of them having a little talk, and when caught, immediately like, oh, we, I don't know this person. I just, I just dropped her contact lens. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And if Brodsky is hard up for cash right now... Mm. I'm just you think saying. he's hitting up his friend for money? He might have tried to blackmail her. Like, I know you're Anita Moody. I know you're here under false pretenses because you're dressed up like somebody else. I could use some money right now to help me out of a bind. Why don't you pay to keep me quiet? I suppose. And then she kills him. To keep him quiet. To keep him quiet. I mean, it's plausible. It's certainly plausible. That's me stretching for a motive because even the detective chief inspector in this chapter is like, why was Brodsky killed? Like, we still don't know a motive for why he someone might have wanted to do him harm. No, it's true. We still don't. And if it wasn't a case of mistaken identity, and it was because he saw someone he knew and he thought he could take advantage of the situation, that's the only thing I can think of at the moment, off mm -hmm. the top of my head, which would give Moody, a.k.a. Dr. Rachel Stiles, a motive to silence him. Yes. Is that he was threatening to expose her and she thought it was easier to kill him than to blackmail him. Right. I mean, like I said before, it's it's certainly plausible. Certainly plausible. The weird thing about it is that 
this little thing might lead to a larger international incident. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure who's dead and who's not right now. Like, is Anita Moody the dead body that they think is Rachel Stiles? Is Anita Moody still alive? I don't know. Yeah, I actually had thought of that too. Could Moody still be alive? Could Moody still be alive? And have just like killed Dr. Rachel Stiles and because she's gone to ground also killed Anita Moody. I, maybe. But is now like operating maybe under another alias or something. Right? Yeah, it's possible. Or is Rachel Stiles still alive? They don't know it because Anita Moody was posing, posing as, as Rachel Stiles, yeah. right? And I, again, I'm we are assuming that the hair found at the crime scene was confirmed with the body of yeah. Rachel Stiles, which may or may not be Rachel Stiles. Indeed. So you see my you see my confusion. Yeah, there's still a lot up in the air, but we we definitely I think can very positively say Anita Moody is very suspicious now. Yes. And there's enough link there to suggest she could indeed have been quote unquote Doctor Rachel Stiles. It's certainly possible. Yeah. Right. And the chapter ends with this interesting cliffhanger. Both parts of the chapter end with a cliffhanger. I know. But the, sorry, the second half of the chapter with uh, with DCI Strong, he gets an email, swears out loud at it, <laughs> thinks, oh, the queen's going to want to know about this, and I'm glad I don't have to be the one to tell her. What did he get? Yeah, and this is after the little tease that McLaughlin left us with, which was, there's an interesting pattern here, and it's all coming together, but he doesn't tell us yeah, what. Yeah, he doesn't tell us what it is. Yeah. So... I, I hope we have a lot of good info coming at us in the next couple chapters. Well, my hope is that next chapter the Queen gets both of these tidbits of information we were teased. And has an aha moment. And maybe finally has her aha moment, yes. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. But this was a short chapter. Other than, I think the other thing that I might have wanted to mention was I was amused by Detective Chief Inspector Strong being like, we've got the Obamas here with all the power of the CIA, and we can't <laughs> solve a little murder in the castle. That's true. Yeah. Because it's a puzzling one. It is a knot, as they say. What? Indeed. You said the thing. I said the thing. <laughs> it's a very clever book title. Yeah. But uh, I think that's, we're going to call it here. Well, again, that's the end of the chapter. It's the end of the chapter. There's not, I don't think, much more to discuss yet. No, it's true. And we've already made our irresponsible speculations. Quite so. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll just read up on the next chapter. Absolutely. In time for next episode. That'll be chapter 22 of our novel. Uh, while you're getting that all read up, you can, of course, give us a little rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. We always appreciate that. We do. We also appreciate it when you reach out via social media. Uh-huh. We are on X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along on most of those. You yeah. can find us like that. Of course. You can also send us an email. Oh, please do. Our email address is thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. More knots. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on goodreads.com. Thank you.